1: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down
1: by 12. They're on the 45 yard line with no timeouts.
0: Oregon's got an all American field goal kicker. That's
2: why didn't somebody tell me?
0: Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they use on college basketball courts, you know?
2: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart said, I've been very lucky with gambling I've never won.
3: It's a honey-do list kind of Saturday, isn't it? Christmas decorations... Shopping, uh, this is one of those days you can get some stuff done that's on the list. College football schedule, brutal. It will improve next week. Bunch of conference championship games. So, over the next hour here on Early On Sports Radio 670, the score high. Joe Straski here. We'll check in with a pair of NFL pro bettors. One of our regulars on BetSweats on Radio.com Sports, my daily sports betting show, is Adam Chernoff, one of our friends from north of the border. He hosts the Simple Handicap podcast at Adam Chernoff. We've had him before here on Early Odds on Saturday's Sports Radio 670, the score. And Adam, I just want to start with your mindset, as the coaches call it, the last quarter of the season right now do you look at the nfl market it's always pretty sharp anyways but do you look at it in week 14 it's razor sharp all the edges are just about gone or you know and now we have a decent sample we have a feel for a lot of these teams uh we have more information on these coaches these players are our teams actually trying to tank which teams are going for it? which ones are still playing hard uh which Teams have kind of quit on their coaches, and they're just waiting for them to be fired. So is it more these lines are sharp, or maybe the betters have a couple of thin advantages?
4: So yes and no, but this year I don't know. So that's a confusing answer, <laughs> but I'll explain. Um, historically, in the NFL, weeks 1, 2, and 3 will average about 1.8 to 1.2 points of movement per side so essentially in the first three weeks of the season any game is going to move just shy of two points between one and a half and two and that number decreases every week on average the last 20 seasons until week number 10 and then after week number 10 it starts getting bigger again until week 16 and 17 are actually the two weeks in any given season that will move the most on average per game. But sort of the difference to that, and where I say is now we're in week 14, historically, if we look back, once it gets to like week 10 and 11, you're looking at less than half a point of movement per game on average. And so the the, the window gets very narrow right in that sort of late October, early November stage of the season. And then it starts getting... A little bit wider and so we're seeing that right now and so far everything's been relatively in line with that totals have been a lot higher obviously but in terms of sides and the movement it's been very much that and this week we're sort of seeing the low point with everything where there's only been a couple games that have really moved anything significant and so I expect that week 15 16 and 17 will be similar to years past but Again, I I, I don't know, given this year and how weird some of the things have been, but that would sort of be the trajectory. So, yes, lines are sharper, but we're almost so late in the season now, whereas these next three weeks have typically there's been a lot of movement uh, with games on a per-side basis. So, we'll see what happens the next three weeks.
3: We've got Bears-Texans on the lakefront here in Chicago coming up tomorrow, and the weather has been quite notable here because it is forcing the total down in this game Houston favored by one. This has been bouncing around throughout the week. At one point, uh, there was a pick here with some money coming in on the Bears' side. But the Bears, three straight division losses. They've lost six in a row. The conversation here is, okay, the GM's definitely gone. Maybe the head coach is going to go too. Uh, pass defense, not as strong as earlier on in the year, trending down. But overall, I'd still say the Bears are a top-ten defense. But uh, you could argue maybe not after the last couple of weeks against the Lions and the Packers and on the Houston side there are 500 teams since the Bill O'Brien firing and that's a sample size of eight games Deshaun Watson of course the big storyline coming into this one he's coming off his first zero touchdown performance of the season he's fantastic but he's losing weapons they can't run the ball has a poor offensive line, terrible defense. It's like Deshaun Watson's got to be Superman every single week for the Texans to win any uh, any sort of a game here. Uh, what is your take on Bears-Texans? How do you handicap it?
4: My initial thought when the number came out was that the Bears would be a perfect teaser leg. It opened at two yep. and a half, so I, I really like the prospect of teasing them up. Obviously, teasers are more valuable when the total is shorter. As you mentioned, very low total in this game. And – Reasoning simple is there tends to be less variance in games with lower totals. If you're getting more than a touchdown, it becomes quite valuable. But um, the reason I sort of like this was, as you mentioned, the Bears defense, still obviously very much the strong point of this team. Past defense, the last six weeks, is trending to 20th in the NFL in success rate. So that's a significant drop off from the mark of fifth that they've posted for the season overall. But when matched up against the Texans, the one spot that's really sort of hindered the Bears' defense the entire season is their ability, sort of uncanny ability, to give up explosive chunk rushing plays of 10 yards or more. Only the Cincinnati Bengals allow more explosive runs against. And on the other side of the football, we know Houston has virtually no running game whatsoever. But really what I I liked most about this game was if you could get a decent performance from the Bears' secondary – The Texans, as a skill position perspective, as you mentioned last week, Watson, his first zero-touchdown game of the season, they lose Fuller to the suspension, and that was like a day after cutting Stills last week. And so Stills didn't really matter that much, but Fuller represented a little more than a third of their passing yards, their passing touchdowns. He was by far and away the go-to guy for Deshaun Watson who was having a terrific season. And then last week, Brandon Cooks went out with a concussion. He's still in protocol, but he's going to be questionable to play later on the injury report. We'll see if he ultimately suits up. Uh, but then Kiki Kute, who's now the number two guy, is also injured as well. So really, this is a situation where the Texans were are now without their best wide receiver. And then number two and three, who stepped up to be one and two, are both hurt. And the number two guy who was bumped to number four was cut from the team and so from a skill position perspective it's pretty grim for houston you put them on the grass field in the weather not much wind but it's going to force houston to run a little bit more something they don't do well it just it wasn't a a great matchup for houston overall so it's a game that the bears certainly have to win uh the point spread is going to continue shortening we'll probably see this one get to pick them at some point Um, But it was a game that, while still available, um, I'm not sure if it's going to necessarily be fully available when everyone's listening, but I thought the teaser was the way to go. But it would certainly be bears or nothing for me in this game if I had to bet aside, which probably won't. But uh, no way I'm looking to the Texans
3: here. Agree with you. That's a uh, strong teaser option, especially as the total keeps dipping down. But you've got to get at least seven. It was stronger earlier in the week when you can get through the seven. But you've got to get at least seven On that bear side, uh, so I do like that. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score. Our guest, he's a pro better. He hosts the Simple Handicap podcast. His name is Adam Chernoff. Adam, let's go back and forth on some of the sides that we like for NFL. Week number 14, and you'll tell me why I'm wrong on a few of the opinions that I have. Why don't don't you start off, since you are the guest, what is one of your top sides for Sunday?
4: Well, let's stick in the NFC North. Uh, Give me the... Packers seven and a half and I'm sure Bears fans might not want to sort of reopen the wound that was sort of established against the Lions a couple days ago I don't know how in the world the Bears ended up on the losing side of that game I'm not sure anyone listening could really give me a a true answer for that But, but this is a Lions team that just it continuously finds themselves down double digits especially going back the last six to seven weeks they're just always playing from behind. And the thing that stands out most to me about this Lions team is the defensive shift that occurred around week six, week seven of the season. And so probably the only good thing that Patricia did this entire season and maybe even for his entire 10 as coach of the Lions was realize, okay, we don't have really any talent within this secondary. I want to play man coverage because I come from the Patriots and that's what we do. And because we don't have the talent to play man coverage, I'm going to switch to zone. And so Patricia made the switch to zone mid season and it's got even worse for the lions incredibly. So just listing off some of these quarterbacks and what they've allowed. So Matt Ryan and Phillip rivers, both passed for more than eight yards per play. Kirk cousins, 11 yards per pass, Alex Smith, seven and a half PJ Walker, the XFL product, seven and a half Deshaun Watson, 12 and a half and Mitchell Trubisky last week, eight yards per pass. And that was similar to the numbers that he put up way back at week one when he was the starter, but like the league average is 6.7 yards per pass. So like the lions keep giving any quarterback, whatever they want, this Detroit team 30th in both pass and rush success rate defense overall. They allow these second most passes of 15 yards or more. It's explosive pass rate. That's that's a number you you never want to be above 10%. The Lions are right at 13. So that's really bad. The Lions terrible on first and second down. Green Bay fourth overall in pass success rate. Third in explosive pass rate. 56% success on early down passes. And Aaron Rodgers, the number one passer in the NFL when throwing from a clean pocket. The Detroit Lions do not generate any pressure on opposing QBs. So this is a spot where I think the Packers can get whatever they want on offense, uh, score a ton of points, and force the Lions to play catch-up. I just don't think the Lions are able to keep this one close. I make this game 10. I'm looking at 7.5. That's a bet I'm going to make every single day. So happy to have the Packers at 7.5 here in this game.
3: Yeah, when I've heard uh, people over the past week say, oh, you know what? The Bears did score 30 points. I try to remind them there is context there. Uh, there was some scoring late in garbage time against the Packers. And then the Lions defense, they're dead last in the NFL in defensive DVOA in most metrics uh, that you talk about. Gallaudet, uh still not practicing much of the week. And um, I heard a lot of other smart people that are willing to lay the Packers and those seven points. So you are not alone, Adam Chernoff. And uh, I I can't make the case for the Lions, which sometimes scares me when we're talking about the National Football League. But I I don't know how you can make a case for the Lions. Dead and buried 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, just a couple of minutes remaining. And then I I think that was more about the Bears instead of the Lions. Comeback, they were able to mount at Soldier Field last week. All right, I'm going to start things off with Kansas City and Miami. I want to get your reaction on this. Okay. But it feels like, much of the market is now a little scared off to bet on the Chiefs, and that's going to happen when you don't cover for four consecutive weeks against Denver, Tampa, Vegas. And Carolina, this thing has dipped down a little bit throughout the week uh, because, I guess, the Dolphins, an 8-4 team, they're getting a little respect. They've won seven of their last eight games. Now, I'd like to remind people, while that is impressive and you give them full marks for accomplishing that, some of it with a rookie quarterback, let's look at the teams that the Dolphins have beat. Cincinnati, your New York Jets, Denver, L.A. Chargers, Arizona, Rams, really strong win the jets again and san francisco and and kansas city's big weakness on defense is the rundy and it's not like that's a strength of the dolphins and i i just don't think that with tua they're going to be able to put up enough points uh based on what we've seen from him so far to keep up with mahomes and company so it kind of feels like the Chiefs are a little cheap and i'm willing to lay the seven so two touchdown favorites to start things off what do you think adam
4: I would absolutely be Chiefs or nothing in this game. It is a seven and a half or like seven. There, There's seven minus 110 at a few shops, but it's sort of lingering there. Like if this gets down sort of to like a flat seven or just like maybe seven even money, like absolutely running to back the Chiefs. If I was to make a case for... Miami which for me is is difficult to do with two as the quarterback with Fitzpatrick I think it's a different conversation but Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about the Chiefs season is when I watch ESPN NFL Network there's always this sort of this explaining of well if the Chiefs want to win or if they want to turn it on (laughs) they have that extra gear and I think that that's being misinterpreted for what I see within the Chiefs season and that's consistently getting the best possible game plan and effort from every single opponent that they face. And so in the NFL, there's sort of a very popular theory that's called 10-3-3. And essentially what that means is over the course of a season, teams will play 10 games to sort of their true talent level. They'll play three games that far exceed their talent level and three games that fall well short. And if you sort of run a distribution over teams over the course of the season, you'll sort of see that represented. The Chiefs are getting a wide variety of opponents who are playing one of their three best games in the season against them. And, like, you you can go back and look. The Chargers in week two gave the Chiefs everything they can play. That's the best we've seen the Chargers play this entire season. And then teams like the Raiders back in week six or seven, they obviously – win that game by eight. That's the best we've seen the Raiders play this entire season. The Panthers narrowly lose to the Chiefs, lose by two points. That's the best we've seen the Panthers play this entire season. The Raiders, again, on Sunday Night Football, put together a terrific game plan, take the Chiefs down to the final drive. A couple days ago on Sunday Night Football, again, the Denver Broncos. That's the best we've seen the Broncos play this entire season by far. And there's other games where teams sort of in this mid-tier were competitive for pretty well the duration of the entire game. And so the chiefs continue to get really like the best offensive game plan, the best defensive game plan from so many of these opponents. And like the one thing within this game that sort of potentially has me just a little bit hesitant is I think Brian Flores is one of the best coaches in the entire NFL. And so I looking back at some of the track record, this season and teams and what they've been able to throw at this chiefs team. I think Flores who's put together terrific game plans uh, a number of different games this season, that Rams one really comes to mind, but um, he just week after week is able to put together terrific game plans. Like I'm curious to see what he puts together uh, with this Miami team, obviously defensively they're terrific, but um, that's sort of the one thing. I think we see a really good game plan from Flores in Miami potentially able to to keep it competitive but um still like the chiefs far and away the number one best team in the league priced in a different category i could easily make the case um that this number is a little bit short but just for the sake of sort of devil's advocate that would be sort of the one angle here that i would be a little intrigued with miami but certainly i would agree with you casey or nothing
3: okay perfect so we start off i'm on the chiefs adams on the packers uh how about another top play for tomorrow
4: Well, let's wait and sort of see where this one ultimately goes. But I like the Vikings at seven. Um, If you're seeing six and a half and you're listening to this, it's probably an expensive six and a half, which means you can buy to seven. The rule is if if you're at six and a half minus 120, if you're buying to the seven, if it's Tampa Bay six and a half minus 20, so you're looking at Minnesota six and a half even money, you want to get them bought to 7 for minus 115 or less if you can find it. That's sort of the value of seven overall. So we'll say Minnesota plus 7 minus 115 uh, is a bet that I would really be looking to make on the buy if you need it. Potentially you'll see it at seven by the time you're listening to this. But um, the thing that interests me about Minnesota here is I look at both of these teams and from like a net yards per play perspective, they're equal. From a success rate perspective on offense, Minnesota's actually performing better over the course of the season and trending better the last six weeks. And then from a defensive perspective, Minnesota a lot weaker, but Tampa Bay last four weeks trending a lot worse, especially within the secondary. They've got some injuries there too. But this is a spot where Mike Zimmer does a couple things exceptionally well, even if he doesn't quite have the personnel on the field to execute it. But week in, week out, He's extremely good at disguising his coverages. He's extremely good and creative at bringing blitzes and pressures in different ways that are very hard to identify at the line of scrimmage. And Tom Brady, against pressure, anytime he's had trouble in his face this season, he's really struggled. It's been a trend in his career the last three seasons. We're seeing it even worse this year behind that offensive line in Tampa Bay, and there's still... Despite this being week 14, there's communication issues between him and the receivers. They're not entirely on the same page. You would think that the bye week would fix that, but coming out of the bye week, Chris Godwin straight to the injury report. Mike Evans has yet to practice with the hamstring injury. I would expect both of them to be on the field, but this bye week that was supposed to fix everything for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was, for the most part, done without – the full health of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the two key wide receivers on this team. And so now we're seeing this sort of affected in practice this week, leading up to the game, Minnesota last week against Jacksonville, they go to the final play in overtime, a couple of seconds left in that game before they ultimately get the win. People might point to that as a bad performance. I think you could potentially attribute that to a look ahead situation, but that was a game Top of my head, it closed 10. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, you have to ask the question, like, what do you make that line again if the two teams were to play each other? And I don't think anybody's making that price any shorter than it closed and I'm certainly not making it any shorter than it closed. I'm probably making the same numbers. So uh, to me, that's a way to look back and sort of think about the performances and sort of put a, a better value on it rather than just looking at the scoreboard and making a jump from that. But I think this is a great spot for Zimmer to get really creative through everything he has defensively at Tampa Bay. I think Minnesota can limit the the scoring for Tampa Bay. They're not going to shut them down completely, but I think Kirk Cousins is able to have success against this Tampa Bay defense, keep the game competitive. I think this number is much closer to three and a half uh, than it is seven. So I think that this one is quite a bit off. I'm happy to take the points here with the Vikings.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Preach Adam Chernoff. You make me feel better because early on in the week, I sided with Minnesota and I also feel strongly about this. This is one of my top few plays of the week. And then what have I heard all week? Just people making the case for Tampa Bay and Brady coming off a a poor run here as Tampa has lost three of their last four games. They're coming off the bye and you, you put all that together and Minnesota not playing all that well of late uh Jacksonville it took them until overtime to defeat them it was a one point game against Carolina they had a loss against Dallas but it feels like it's just way too much overreaction here Uh, this is not the Vikings team that started one and five earlier on in the year I get they're playing uh, closer games but they are also another top five team as far as net yards per play I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the matchup of the Vikings run game going against that stout Tampa Bay run defense but I agree with you getting six and a half and now we're ticking up to seven i am also all over the vikings uh getting the points here so i feel better thank, thank you so much Adam. Sure enough i uh, let, let me throw another game at you uh that i do like and it's a prime time spot pittsburgh steelers at the buffalo bills buffalo is favored by two the look ahead on this had the steelers minus two and a half now we're not through any key numbers just around the zero but it is uh, a notable movement here and we're coming off a couple of not prime time, but national TV games, at least, for the Steelers. And they've played poorly. Their receivers dropping the ball all over the field. They're still 11-1 and on the year, even though Tomlin isn't that pleased right now. Sure, maybe a n- little narrative-driven, but it feels like the team's actually relieved that they got their first loss so they can move forward with the season here. I just feel that a, a defense that is number one across the board in the Steelers, even though they've lost a couple of pieces in recent weeks, Uh, Going up against Josh Allen, having one of the great games that he's had in his uh, shorter career here, and then the struggles that the Bills defense has had in in some areas, more of it against the run, and that is not the Steelers' strength this season but i i just feel like this is way too much overreaction for the steelers to be an underdog in this spot uh this is a role i'm sure that they are they are going to flourish and i'm i'm going to be taking the steelers plus two plus two and a half here i i highly doubt this one gets a three so
4: disagreement on my end okay um I'll, i've i already bet on buffalo i took them on the money line so maybe they win by one and we're both happy um <laughs> but so the the betting market hates both of these teams. And like last week, if we just think back to, to Monday, the Steelers were 10-point favorites at open. They closed 5.5 versus Washington. And then the 49ers against the Bills were 2.5-point underdogs at open. They closed 2.5-point favorites. So like we saw 5-point moves against both of these teams. And obviously the move with Washington very much validated – within that game where the Steelers just look atrocious and then market completely wrong against the Buffalo Bills back in the 49ers heavily in that spot. Buffalo comes out and puts out one of the more impressive performances we've seen from any team this entire season, uh, especially on a Monday night football game. And so you get sort of that effect from it. Anytime there's a big move and it's completely wrong, there tends to be a lot of readjustment within the market just because not only Our book's adjusting to what they took in, but also betters making the adjustment. And when it's a Monday night game, everyone sees it happen. And so that's sort of part of why we're seeing this big of an adjustment here. But the second part is, the offensive struggles for the Steelers are, it's baffling to me. Like everyone's going to, they played the easiest schedule. Defense is terrific. But like, it just looks so strenuous and difficult to pick up five yards for this team running or passing the football. They've gone to like 70% pass rate lately since James Conner was injured. He's coming back this week. But they just abandoned the run game. And, like, Ben is getting the ball out insanely quick from his hand. Fastest in the league, right around 2.1 seconds per pass. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. But just the simplicity in their routes and just the elementary scheme that they're running is so easy to defend. It, the problem is they just haven't played – any decent defenses that can do anything about it against the bills. This is going to be the most difficult secondary that they've faced this entire season, which is a bit of a stretch to say, you can make the case for the Ravens. Um, But um, like, this is a step up in class from relative to what they've faced over the course of the season. But then on the defensive side of the football, which has been the strength for the Steelers, the injuries are starting to mount, especially in the middle of the field. So now Vince Williams is on the COVID list. He's going to miss this game. This is on the heels of Bud Dupree being placed on IR last week, which was on the heels of Devin Bush being placed on IR in November. And then the play caller, Robert Spillane, he's likely to miss this game. And then cornerback number one, Joe Hayden, is questionable too. So it's now a Steelers defense that has the reputation of being the number one unit in the league for the course of the season. But they're now without linebackers one, two three and four in the middle of the field. So they're scrambling for names there and likely going to be without cornerback number one in Joe Hayden. And so this defense is going to look a lot different, especially against Brian Dable and the bills offense. And so for me, I think the bills at this moment slightly better than the Steelers. Um, I took a money line here. It's, it's not a enormous edge by any means, but I think, Within this matchup, how great Bayball has been at putting together some game plans, Bills a slightly better team than the Steelers at the moment. So that's why I made the bet. And I think these injuries for the Steelers in the middle of the field are concerning because it, it affects how much pressure they can generate and extra guys they can bring up. But then also the coverage that they can run behind that. So it's just, it, it's a very weak middle where the Bills can have some success.
3: All right, very good. So we agree on the Vikings, but there's disagreement on Steelers bills and you brought up uh, the return of James Conner. And, and you know normally what we're supposed to say now in sports betting media is that the running backs don't matter. But we've noticed a big difference there when uh, James Connor has been out and Mar- Marquise Pouncey might be returning. That's important. Uh, the Pittsburgh center. So keep an eye on that going into Sunday night football. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest, Adam Chernoff. He's a pro better. He hosts the Simple Handicap Podcast. Uh, Adam, we went over the Packers, Vikings, and Bills for you.
4: Anything else that you really like? Uh, we've done well at sticking in divisions from games to game, so I'll stick in the AFC North. Uh, I like the Ravens at anything less than minus three against the Cleveland Browns. So they're two and a half. So that would definitely be a bet if you can find better or a money line of minus 140 or cheaper. That's a bet too. Cleveland defensively has been over the last six weeks much different than their season numbers. So looking at them over the course of a season, the Browns are 21st against the pass and 28th against the rush. But when you sort of filter out since week eight and you look at these like last six weeks of trending metrics, the Browns show up as a top 10 defense. And a lot of that is due to that three week chunk of games in November that they played against opponents that were with 35 mile per hour winds, uh, extreme downpours and rain In, in terms of betting, we'll call it a weather assist for a lot of those games. And so a couple of those games came against what would have been the most difficult opponents to date on the schedule. They played the Raiders a very good offense. They played the Texans when they still had everybody healthy. And so not only was it a weather assist, but it was also a weather assist against some great opponents. And so this is a Browns team that I look at, especially without Denzel Ward and some of the other guys missing within the secondary that's much worse than not only their season numbers, which suggests they're right around 22nd. I think they're much worse than that, but much worse than what we've sort of been used to seeing them put out on the field the last six to seven weeks. We know how important recency is within the NFL. I I think that this Browns team, from a defensive standpoint, very much getting mispriced and matched up now against the Baltimore Ravens. Browns aren't stopping the run against anybody. This is about where Baltimore already has had a ton of success earlier in the season against this defensive unit, which was a lot healthier at the time. Now they're getting them with the health issues they have, but also um, getting them again at that sort of magnified price point. So I think it's a great matchup for the Ravens offensively. And then defensively, something that the Ravens have done well this entire season without all the injuries they've had through the COVID situation is blitz a ton, and be very effective at generating pressure. I've long sort of subscribed to the Jared Goff betting checklist, which really sort of looks at, is he going to be under pressure? Because Goff, more than any other quarterback in the league, is extremely good from a clean pocket, and then extremely fragile when he's facing pressure and his numbers tank. Baker Mayfield, in comparison, is actually just as bad. This season, he goes from a top 10 passer from a clean pocket all the way to 38th when he's facing pressure, his passer rating drops about 75 points between a clean pocket and when he's under pressure last week, he looked really good against Tennessee Titans worst in the league at generating pressure per snap and Baker Mayfield. Again, you can just go through every game this season. If he had a great performance, It was against a team that didn't generate pressure. If he really struggled, it was against a team that generates a lot of pressure. And the Ravens able to generate a lot of pressure. And Baltimore is a team, a lot of these guys that were placed on the COVID list coming back, I think that that makes this team more valuable. And really, it's just the Ravens team that's sort of suppressed in their pricing overall. They're right now 12-1 to to win the AFC, which I think is just far too long of a price. And we're sort of seeing that reflected Uh, in their point spread pricing as well, where they're just priced uh, far too short, for my opinion. I make this game three and a half for the Ravens. I think this is going to continue to push up towards three. Uh, I just like Baltimore here a lot if you can get them less than minus three.
3: I know many of our early odds listeners remember week one when it was Baltimore in a route, 38-6. to So we gave options for the primetime games too, Adam. Some good stuff, different betting angles uh, for the people. I like the Chiefs, Vikings, Steelers. Adam Chernoff likes the Packers, Vikings, Bills, and Ravens. And Adam, in closing, I need you to promise me one thing. Now, this is very important for my uh, survivor pool lives and and a few different uh, pools here. Uh, Can you promise me? Can you promise me that your Jets will not be upsetting the Seahawks as two touchdown dogs tomorrow?
4: I I think so. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, it's that just seems hopeless for the Jets making the trip across the country. <laughs> I just I usually there's sort of a case you can make, but I I just can't see it this week.
3: Greg Williams' narrative, no fired, no
4: Nothing? not in these slices. <laughs>
3: <laughs> subscribe. <No chance. laughs> subscribe to the Simple Handicap podcast. His name, Adam Chernoff. He's a pro sports better. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Chernoff. Adam, thank you so much for your time this morning on Early Odds. Enjoy the cold weather. It certainly turned here in Chicago as well.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Enjoy the games.
3: It is almost mid-December, so I guess it could be worse. Rain, no fun as we're approaching freezing like we are right now. Anyways, you got Adam's viewpoint there on the week 14 card how about hearing from another pro better simon hunter will be here on early odds with joe ostrowski this is 670 the score and the radio.com app call from mom
0: answer it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
5: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670, the score in the radio.com app. Whether you're listening live on the radio, via the stream or podcast, however you consume this show, we thank you for doing so. Each Friday, I talk some sports betting with my guy Lawrence Holmes, 1 o'clock right here on the score, and Lawrence brought up Ryan Pace, and I feel like he kind of set me up, because he knows how I'm going to react. I could not hold back. And then what do I see an hour later? There's a story on 670thescore.com, a video tweeted out by the The 670thescore Twitter account, and it's on Facebook. Check it out if you missed it. 670thescore.com if you're looking for a quick laugh. Also on Fridays on my show, Bet Sweats, we bring on Simon Hunter every week, an NFL pro better, and he gives us his four top plays going into the weekend. And I particularly love the first one since I gave it out earlier on the show.
6: I tried not to overthink this one, and I looked in my system. I had it four and a half, so easy play getting two points for the Vikings. And what do we know here? We know the Vikings, they like to throw the ball deep, and they like to run up the middle. Both things the Tampa Bay defense struggle with. They give up the most deep balls, and they give up some of the longest runs. So. I get it. People aren't going to like this one. Tampa Bay coming off a bye. The Vikings haven't looked good in weeks. But in all these weeks, they haven't looked good. They've played against bad teams. I think we're starting to realize they play to their competition level. So I'm expecting a good number and a good game from the Vikings here. And the fact that it hasn't moved even all the money's coming on the Buccaneers, it really makes me happy taking the Vikings at six and a half. Interesting. All right, Simon. Um, give me, a, give me a, uh, your second play that you really like for week 14. So I originally had Oakland in there, but I realized that I already gave that out pretty much as the best bet on my other show. So we'll scratch that one. I'm going to go real ugly here and give out the Chicago Bears Ooh. At, <laughs> sitting at plus one. This is just total situational play of Houston. I know they're coming off a brutal loss, but. I just can't see their defense being able to get stops, even though I know it's Mitch. The Bears' defense is still way above how good the Texan defense is. And the fact that this isn't minus three for the Bears, it scared me a little thinking maybe Vegas has a read on this. But just the fact that all the money and every all the bets have been coming in on Texans, I, I like Chicago here. A lot. I am a bonus play in this game. I like the under. I think this will be a heavily bet over game. It's a low total. I, I like this under because I just like the Bears to show up here in the defense.
3: I want to follow up on the total because I've seen that total uh, jump around over the last couple of days here uh, this morning on points, but I was looking at it and it dipped down in the 42.5 range because there's reports of wind in Chicago, and now it's moving back up. Is uh, your play on the total weather-related, or is it more about this matchup?
6: It was both, and yeah, you're definitely right. It's moved a lot because if you would have got it at 46, 45, that was good value. Like you just said, it went down to 42. You don't want to touch that under there because you're just hoping the public will, public will keep coming in because they've been betting this game heavy on the over. So as long as they keep coming in and you you see there isn't terrible weather, you're going to be able to get a better number. But, yeah, if there's high winds and a storm coming through, of course, I love, I love this under even more. Okay, let's talk um, Giants, Simon. I, I'm into the Giants right now. That Giants match up against the Cardinals. Is there a side or a total you like? How crazy is this Giants run? I mean, they they blew that game against Tampa. They blew that game against the Eagles. And still, they're leading this division. And it's been pretty amazing the fact that Joe Judge, who I'll admit, in the preseason, I thought he was kind of a joke. Like, I saw the videos of him hyping up the team. And I'm just like, this old dude is so weird. But he's connected <laughs> with them. And they're playing hard for him. That defense – no one, no one can really gauge how they're doing so well. Some of the guys' leaps they've have taken this year, it's incredible how good this defense is for the Giants. So I like the Giants side here, but I really just like the under. I feel like it's safer because I hate backing Colt McCoy. I, got, I felt like I got a little lucky last week, even though they dominated that game. Colt didn't have to do much. Where this week I had the same mentality that the Cardinals look broken. It looks like the league's kind of figure out this offense, or maybe Kyler is still battling an injury that they're just not bringing up. So. I just don't see how the Arizona puts up a lot of points and same with the Giants. So I really do like the Giants side, but I really like the under in this one.
3: Simon, the the market hates Anthony Lynn, and the market probably should hate Anthony Lynn. Uh, do you have a play with this Chargers-Falcons game? It's just hilarious to me that we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, team that fired their head coach and GM, and uh, now they're going on the road from the eastern portion of the country all the way to the west coast as road favorites.
6: Woo! Just an ugly matchup. So, when I was looking at this, I, I originally was going towards Atlanta. But I'm quickly realizing that's going to be really a, the public heavy side. Just because everyone's going to be with me. Everyone thinks Anthony Lynn's a terrible coach. So, easier play for me, it would just be the under. This is will be one of those where you have two teams that they're both run by defensive coaches. And we've seen Herbert struggle lately on the offense. We've also seen Matt Ryan struggling with a hurt Julio. So, this is a high number at 49.5, and, and I expect the public will take it because they think both these offenses are high scoring. So preferably I would just take the under here at 49.5 and, and just not even bet either side.
3: Four NFL picks for tomorrow from pro bettor Simon Hunter. More coming up. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. And around this time, we bring in our friend from Hawthorne Racecourse. His name is Jim Miller at Hawthorne Gym. He gives us some winners on the dirt every single week with his horse plays. We'll get to that in just a moment, Jim, but it is interesting I was just thinking about points bet with Thursday night football because Cam Akers went off as the Rams offensive line dominated and he is now the clear-cut RB1 it was running back by committee uh, through via Sean McVay early on in the season but now that is Cam Akers job had 171 rushing yards so of course I was thinking about points betting on points betting it was set at 55 so oh if you bet gosh. the Cam Akers over you hit 116x your bet. I know there was one person that bet $20 for every yard over 55.
2: No way. You put a buck on there, and you're, and you're having a nice night. I mean, that, yep. that's incredible. That's the cool thing about the points betting aspect, though. And you're right. Cam Akers was the question mark because, what was it, nine touches two weeks ago, and then 21 last week, and then he just went off last night. It, it was insane. He, he was over the total, what, in the first quarter? second series of the of the game for the Rams he went
3: over the prop I did play that so I hit the over on the rushing yards but unfortunately he did not score a touchdown that one did not hit but it was like you're done it's the first quarter and I already
2: hit my bet it was great yeah and then then what you do, and that's the great thing about having sports betting live here in the state of Illinois you you've hit that now you can look into the different live game aspects of wagering if you want to to keep following up or just take your profits and move on but it is it's, it's so much fun the points betting aspect is so much fun. And Joe, there's one game that just intrigued me, and it's the Arizona Giants game. Because three yeah. weeks ago, Joe, I would have said Arizona's a seven-point favorite. Now the Giants are just rattling off victories. The last I saw this number was at three. And I'm seeing people picking the Giants to win outright. I, just, I still think Arizona's the better team.
3: Uh, I I would agree with that. First thing I would do is I'd scratch off the Giants side. So they're playing well. And I like this team under Joe Judge. It looks like they got a good coach. They've won four in a row, but they're coming off the biggest upset of the week they had against the Seattle Seahawks last week. So I, I don't know that I would be on the Giants side there. And with Arizona, they've really struggled ever since the bye, one and four since the bye. But something that maybe gives them a little bit of credit jim is look at the coaches that they're losing to mcveigh and the rams belichick and the patriots carol and the seahawks right Fl- flores and the dolphins these are some of the best coaches in the nfl I- i'm worried because kyler is still injured and Hopkins has been dealing with a neck and a back issue. I'm a little worried about Kyler being injured, but if I had to play this game, I would definitely look to the Arizona side and try to see if you can get under a field goal because yep. earlier on in the week it was sitting at 2.5. And,
2: and that's what I'm watching for. If it gets back to 2.5, I really think it might be worth a play. So it'll be, it'll be a very interesting game. It's an interesting Sunday here to watch.
3: What about horse racing for today, Jim? What do we think? All right, so
2: we got three horses uh, to look at. Two of them were going out of town. Gulfstream Park, Race 8. Look to the five-horse, Lady Lawyer. This is a horse that runs for trainer Chad Brown on the turf. Bet that horse to win in place. Follow it up at Gulfstream with race number 10, the 10-horse, Halliday. Bet this one across the board. This is a horse that has a lot of good speed and stretching out in distance. Should be tough. And then go to Hawthorne, race number three, the two-horse, Richie's Got Game. This is a stakes race here at Hawthorne, last stakes race of the season. Bet this one to win in place. The horse should like the track, can win on the lead or come from out of it. So you do have some options there as well.
3: Over at Hawthorne Racecourse, you guys have the Points Bet Sportsbook. So make sure you download the app, people, especially if you want to try points betting. Uh, start slowly, just dabble in it and then s- see what you like there. It's a lot of fun on the Points Bet app. Jim Miller at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. Jim, we'll talk next week.
2: All right, Joe. Have a great weekend.
3: If you missed it earlier and you're looking for some NFL betting angles for tomorrow, use the rewind feature. On the Radio.com app, go back to 8 o'clock because you miss some killer sports betting info that you can use tomorrow from Adam Chernoff and Simon Hunter, and you also get my picks too. Subscribe to my weekday podcast, It's Bet Sweats, courtesy of radio.com you can also catch it live 9 to 11 a.m monday through friday on the radio.com app or you can watch me live in my office radio.com slash bet back there monday morning uh hit me up on twitter you can follow me there all my content is uh, available there direct links at joe0670 at joe0670 inside the clubhouse is next on the score best of luck everyone